Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. This episode of From Page to Practice is a Charter College of Teaching Impact Journal special where I am joined by college members, fellows and chartered teachers to discuss the contents of the latest issue. If you enjoy the discussion and want to get a hold of your own copy of Impact, visit chartered.college and join as a member. Hi and welcome to the final episode of this Charter College of Teaching Impact Journal mini-series. I really hope if you weren't already a member, you've had a good chance to get to know the kind of quality journal content you're missing out on and have decided to join. That would really help to make the work that's gone into these episodes today worthwhile. So let me know if that's the case. Resilience and mental health. Let's dive into the article on engaging parents during school closures. Engaging schools and parents by Janet Goodall, Associate Professor at Swansea University. Goodall provides the reader with guidance on how to engage parents during this extraordinary time during the lockdown. She highlights the importance of the extraordinary situation parents, learners and teachers find themselves in. And she explores how classroom content are different and classroom contexts are different from home contexts and spaces and how learning needs to be reimagined in these challenging times. She asks important questions like, for example, what is really important for our children to help them learn, to do and to become? And how can we as educators help support parents and families in this task? The article highlights the importance of having to think creatively about supporting learning in different situations. She highlights the value of parental engagement and points out that research indicates that the involvement of parents um, with their children during learning um, makes a great difference, whether it is looking at homework or whether it is supporting generally. She argues that this does not mean parents need to check homework daily and consistently. Um, Effective parental engagement means that there's an attitude, a positive attitude towards support in regards to learning at home. Teachers are currently unable to get directly involved in the learning of children as children are not with them in the classroom. We need to stop thinking about what we could have done and she stresses that we need to start thinking about how can we support learning now that they are not in school or with us. She points out that not all families might have all the equipment or the um, expected tools that we expect them to have. It is therefore important to to not make any assumptions and to provide helpful guidance. She outlines helpful suggestions such as um, uh, guidance questions helping learners to think through their learning and learning process will be key. Goodall implores teachers to think ahead and states that we won't walk back into the same classrooms as it was and as we remember. However, What remains fundamentally the same is that it has always been about learning. She lists really helpful um, considerations to make for teachers too. For example, she reminds that some teachers have dual roles too as parents and teachers and therefore need to be realistic about the work that they said. 
she asks teachers to take a step back, think about balancing the workload as well as, of course, the amount of work that they set for learners. They need to reflect on what is really important, what do learners need to know at this stage. In addition, she argues that teachers need to create materials for home learning and remember that it's not the same as it is in a classroom context, she, she highlights that, te- that pa- uh, teachers need to remember not all families will have the same access either. And finally, the most important point that we all need to remember is to try to make learning enjoyable. You're listening to From Page to Practice, a Chartered College Impact Journal special. Join the Chartered College and we'll support you to deliver CPD for you and your colleagues improve teaching and learning and student outcomes, and reduce workload by engaging with the latest research of what works and why. Now to hear from Greg, returning from episode three, and Lizanna again, reflecting on resilience in trainee teachers. Hi guys, welcome back. Um, <clears throat> now for another review, but on the uh, promoting resilience in trainee teachers. Um, this article is also an impact. Um, it comes from Teach Southeast. It's written by Rachel Davis. Um, first and foremost, a lovely article um, with, with some great key points, I would say. Um, a few I disagree on, but it's so nice to see a training provider thinking about well-being. And ultimately, that's what this comes down to. Um, we do have to promote resilience um, in a trainee teacher, in all sorts of teachers, Um but I think that kind of starts when we first train. Um, I remember my own training, which was now eight, this coming up for eight years ago, um, our eight academic years, school years. And um, I just feel like I was a perfectionist then. Um, I, I still am. Um, and a lot of these points here actually ring true for my own training. Um uh, and it is also very similar to the previous article that I that I reviewed um, that discusses kind of the importance of peer-to-peer um, reflection uh, and meeting with someone in a middle leadership role to discuss um, <clears throat> what we can kind of do together, um, which was earlier in the article on page 50 of the magazine. Um, a lot of it rings true. Um, so the first and the kind of the first thing I want to discuss is I think um, skits are valuable. Um, I think skits are more valuable than university courses. And I know that's potentially very controversial to come out with something like that, as the vast majority, I feel, train through a PGCE at a university. Um, but I didn't. I trained through a skit myself. Um, I was a school direct. I did it in the first year. Um, I don't own or hold a PGCE. Um, and I don't think it's ever held me back. Um, I feel the practical classroom experience has been more useful to me than any piece of paper. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, they deal with 75 trainees down in the southeast. Um, and they have 20 schools, so quite a big network. And they discuss how in the 2017, 2018 year, they had a high dropout percentage, um, 17.6%. They saw as quite high. Um, and the main reason to this is mental health and personal circumstances, mental health gaining 42%, um, and personal circumstances, 33 Now, arguably, there's very little we can do about people's per- personal circumstances, um, but their mental health we can definitely look at. Um, I think the big thing 
that we need to ask people when they drop out of teaching. Um, and firstly, we need to break the stigma around that. Teaching is one of the hardest jobs in the world, full stop. Um, every day is something new. And despite we have two week or one week routines with timetables, um, we can get kind of caught up in how uh, varied the, the job gets and how much everything is just thrown at us and we're expected to deal with it. Um, I think at the moment we all understand how much we have to deal with things with um corona happening um but that that's just the diff that's that's just this week's barrier um as a teacher we have to deal with so much anyway um the first thing that concerns me about this is monitoring the percentage of people who drop out um and yes do you know what i think it's important that we recognize that but do you know what i'd rather have i'd rather have more people drop out than have people in our classrooms who don't like it aren't cut out for it they and by cut out for it i don't mean that they're not good enough um i just mean that they don't they don't see themselves doing it that anymore um i don't want a, a person in front of young people who doesn't enjoy their job who doesn't get the most out of it and i think those are the teachers who make the most impact um but by monitoring this kind of this percentage of people who drop out i think one of the biggest things we need to ask them or one question that every provider should ask is whether it was the difficulties of the job or it was whether they just didn't want to do it anymore and i think that would that would go some way to restoring restoring some faith in kind of training providers um because i imagine some people teaching what people think teaching is and what teaching actually is is two very different things um i just want to then look at their approach they kind of come up with kind of four things um that they say they increase the feeling of control and they permit they promote commitment and they promote challenge and they provide social support and oddly enough social support in here is the one thing that they i don't think they write enough on um i was really fortunate as a trainee i trained at the same time as someone else at my school um also in the humanities department, we became quite good friends during our training year, um, which worked really well. Um, someone to go to, if I was struggling with something, I could see him and vice versa. Um, I do feel like I saw him more though. <laughs> um, but it meant I could go to someone without having to go to my official mentor. Um, I had two mentors um, who were great, um, but sometimes you want to run something by someone who's in the same position as you, um, which is pretty much what the earlier article on page 50 was saying. Um, <clears throat> but this social support is so important, um, and I've realised that in every single school, um, not just as a trainee. I've been really fortunate to work in departments which I have loved working in um, and have gained real friends each time everywhere I've left. And I think for trainees, that's so important. Um, you've got to have someone to kind of share the experience with, if you will. Um, and no one outside of the profession gets that. You need someone inside the profession. Um, they discuss modelling healthy behaviours, and I think that's so important. Um, we have changed the world teachers. We have teachers who are in it for the 13-week holiday. Um, I, I don't really care which one you are, Um we all have different reasons for entering this education game. But I do think we have some unhealthy professionals who model behaviour as expected, which we should not be expecting everyone else to do. Um, if you don't have a Twitter account, fine. If you don't post your resources online, fine. If you do, excellent. Um, 
Uh, you've got to be who you are. You can't you can't go changing things to keep up with someone else. You've got to be your own teacher. Um, and I think healthy behaviours include stopping work at a reasonable hour in the week. Um, they include going to bed at a reasonable time and getting six, eight, ten, how many hours sleep you know that you need. Um, at times when I was training... I was getting under four hours sleep a night and I just know it was not making me a good teacher. Um, I was kind of running myself down and I, I don't want any other trainee to go through that. Um, they discuss celebrating success and showing trainees they are valued. And that's hard. That's really hard to achieve. But I'm just so glad they're discussing that. Um, as a trainee, you feel like sometimes you can't contribute um, because you're you're only early in the game. You don't know what you're doing as well as someone else. Um, but again, that comes back to doing you, it your way. Um, when we talk about approach, they, I, I like this sense of discussing resilience early. At the interview uh, stage, they discussed a resilience scenario, which sounds fantastic. Um, but some people won't know what to do. Um, I, I remember interviewing myself and thinking uh, I kind of, handled the interview day well and um, teaching the lesson I had no worries about I'd had ample experience in schools before so it wasn't the first time I'd kind of stood in front of a classroom of 30 students um, but I do worry for the people who are in that position um, you are no worse a teacher because or, or, or no less a teacher because you've had less experience yes experience helps but it doesn't make you perfect and I think we have to get away from that um, they discuss social support on a pastoral coach and having a pastoral buddy someone who is also a trainee I believe um, and they build time for you to meet with that person uh, which I think is just so important to discuss as I've kind of said before and um, the training the, this is one of the things I love most about what they do they carousel the training and trainees go to the sessions to which they select that they felt were pertinent um, that's just I think well ahead of the game in terms of training and um, the one thing most teachers, let alone trainees, have enough of is time. And I remember many a session I've gone to as a trainee and now as a qualified teacher where I honestly think I've just wasted my time. Um, I didn't get anything from it. I felt that wasn't something I needed to work on. I could have done something else. And I just think that's so important. Um, the weekly bulletin to keep them informed about what's going on ahead. Not particularly groundbreaking. Most places, I think, do that. Um, but again, important to do. Um, the thing I did like, though, is the trainee voice panel. Um, what an excellent idea. And um, we explicitly told trainees what had changed and we gave them written evaluations so they could give feedback on kind of what we were doing. Um, I, I, dis, I, I kind of disagree with inspirational quotes and things like that. I love them. Um, I use them a lot. But I think for inspiring a trainee, they should probably bring enough of that with them. Um, but getting them to, to do a book as why they teach, um, I think we should all write one. I think we should all write a postcard or post-it notes or somewhere where we display why we teach. Um, and it would just keep that in mind. So when the days are long and, uh, and it is tough, as I've said before, this is the hardest job in the world, um, we need to keep that in mind. Um, why are we doing it? And for whatever your reasons, yours are. Um, the mentors have been trained, but the thing that I really like, um, getting near the end of the article just before outcomes, is the first question on the mental meeting record is a well-being question. Trainees reflect on their well-being every week. Um, it's so good. Um, we get so caught up in being good teachers that we forget to be good people or good humans. 
Um, and, I, and I think we've got to remember that first. We ultimately want trainees to stay in this job. We don't just want them to do a year or two. We don't just want to pick up a government-free bursary. Sorry, those of you that do that. Um, but we want you to stay, like, honestly. And do you know what? In my eight years that I've been doing this, I've considered quitting. I've looked at other jobs. I've applied for other stuff. Hey, I've even been on interviews um, to get out of this crazy profession. But actually, I think finding the right school and finding something that you really match with is so important. Um, and when you find that role, that level, that school, it will be better, trust me. And um, it does ease. Um, but you are looking at kind of a, a long haul for things to get to a sustainable level, I found. Um, and that's kind of the thing that I want to focus on most. Near the end, they discuss what an impact this has had, and Ofsted claims how very professionally resilient and self-reflective trainees are, and um, which is lovely. And do you know what? For the school to hear that, or the training provider, that is amazing. Um, but again, there's this this view that drop of last academic year, four percent of trainees withdrew, um, down from seventeen point six, and then the year after, only two percent withdrew. Um, look, I don't like the idea of people leaving teaching, but I'm much happier for people to leave and be happy than for them to stay and burn themselves out. Um, I lived at home when I trained. I needed to. I'm so glad I did. If I lived on my own or outside with friends or whatever, I don't think I could have done it. Um, praise for this article. It raises some really important questions, and I hope training providers everywhere are thinking about these sort of things. Um, I personally would love to get into this line of work um, to help people start in this profession. Um, I, I don't claim to be an amazing teacher, um, but I am my own teacher. And that's kind of the thing I want to leave everyone with. Um, promoting resilience is great, but being yourself is the so just crucial thing don't try and fit into something you aren't um resilience comes in times there will be things that you aren't good at but there will be things that you are absolutely amazing at remember that you're listening to from page to practice join the conversation on twitter using hashtag page practice podcast promoting resilience in trainee teachers by rachel davis Teach Southeast UK. The piece provides an insightful perspective on how Teach Southeast, a school centred initial teacher training provider, addressed issues around teacher resilience for trainees working towards their qualified teacher status. Davis shared that mental health and well being were key reasons why teacher trainees stopped engaging with their course at the time. The partnership tackled the issue head on and, and mapped out a robust approach to address the issues trainees raised with them in 2018. They implemented approaches based on research and studies done by April et al. and a few other researchers. For example, the course increased the feeling or sense of control. They promoted commitment amongst the students. They promoted challenge rather than fear. And finally, they also promoted social support. The project was very well received by the students and 97% of the trainees highlighted that the project had a positive impact on their training and mental health and well-being. Ofsted highlighted that the quality of pastoral care of the partnership is first class. 
Ultimately, the conditions created for these trainees to thrive translated also positively into the learning experiences of learners they work with too. The article provides a helpful outline for IDT providers to explore to help frame their future practice too. You're listening to From Page to Practice, a Chartered College Impact Journal special. Join the Chartered College and we'll connect you with the experts through our research, CPD we offer, networks, webinars and events, and our brilliant CPD packs, which are ready to go staff training sessions. Next, we hear from Annalise Gordon, who will tell us about her article, also on resilience in trainee teachers. My name is Annalisa Gordon and I'm the Director of the Institute of Education at St Mary's University in Twickenham, South West London. Teacher training lies at the heart of St Mary's University and we're privileged to work with over 800 trainee teachers a year, as well as many experienced teachers who are engaged in further master's level study to inform their practice. Now, given my context, it's perhaps no surprise that my research interest over recent years has focused on teacher resilience and well-being, what challenges and stresses teachers, what sustains and nurtures them in the profession too. Resilience itself has become somewhat of a buzzword, hasn't it? And yet it remains, as Neenan describes it, an intriguing yet elusive concept. Drawing on my own research, I know that resilience is so much more than grit, stiff upper lip, determination in the face of adversity. It's also about acknowledging and responding to times of vulnerability and uncertainty. Now, it's hard to distill extensive research into a short impact journal article for the Chartered College of Teaching, let alone a short podcast contribution. So I thought I'd focus briefly on how creative writing might be a useful enhancement to more standard and sometimes formulaic approaches to reflective practice. We know, of course, that reflective practice is important for our professional development. There's no surprise there. But we might get stuck in a rut, always reflecting in the same way, and this might diminish the impact of our reflection. And then although reflective practice is often an individual activity, it's undoubtedly strengthened through collaboration with others. For trainee teachers, this might be with an experienced mentor, a university tutor, a fellow trainee teacher, for example. So let me share just quickly two approaches to creative writing for reflective practice that I used in my research. I wanted to explore poetry as a tool for reflective practice. And the haiku poetry form is ideal for busy teachers. It's really short. There's no rhyming involved. Just three lines with five, seven and five syllables in each respective line. In fact, the brevity of the haiku form means that the most important concern of the writer almost jumps off the page in a way that a lengthy lesson evaluation responding to preset questions just might not capture. For example, just listen to this one. Tired, tears and doubt. You can do it, mentor said. Self-belief, vital. In three short lines, the trainee teachers highlighted feelings of exhaustion, lack of confidence, almost despair. But the power of the mentor coming alongside in a calm and positive manner provides much-needed perspective. It's a moment of deep and honest reflection by a trainee teacher, but also reaffirms the importance of the mentor's role so clearly. 
And what about metaphors? We know that metaphors are a useful form of language to better understand a situation. Here's one taken from my research. The trainee teacher describes her experience in the class like being a conductor of an orchestra where the drums are banging loudly, the flutes are doing their own thing, the cellos are doing nothing at all, the violins are not tuned properly, you get the picture. Clearly, the overriding concern for this trainee teacher is the ability to manage, or not, the behaviour of a class. The trainee teachers read widely, listened to lots of top tips, observed expert teachers. But the pivotal moment for change in discussion with the mentor is the trainee's subsequent comment in the metaphor. And then there's the magical moment when it all fits into place and everyone plays in perfect harmony. Of course, we know there's not much magic involved, but this reflection opened up afresh a discussion about the importance of planning, of relevant and accessible tasks, the position of the teacher in the room and so on. I've referred lots to trainee teachers here, but my comments are just as applicable to teachers at all stages of their careers. I've worked with NQTs, heads of department, senior leaders, using creative writing as an alternative insight into current priorities, challenges and possible solutions. So I hope this short reflection might inspire listeners to get creative, perhaps through the writing of a metaphor or a haiku. And based on my own personal experience, creative writing leads to a deeper understanding of ourselves as educators. And in turn, this informs our work with children, with young people and students in our care. And that remains, as ever, the top priority. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Lizanna is returning for her final reflection of this episode to talk about student teachers' awareness of mental health and well-being. Partnership working to develop student teachers' awareness of mental health and well-being in schools by Cole and Ingledew. The authors outline the challenges new teachers will face when working with learners in schools in future. They point out that the rise in mental health issues in schools is well documented and the authors argue that more needs to be done to support new teachers for this part of their role as future teachers too. In addition, the piece shares advice and practice by the partnership used to strengthen ITT understanding um, of their roles and also then the requirements on them later on when they start to teach. Hitchin Girls' School took a leading role on developing a leadership role to support with mental health and well-being in their context too. This helpful piece provides teacher educators and providers with ideas and food for thought on how to equip future teachers to support learners based on this important issue. You're listening to From Page to Practice, a Chartered College Impact Journal special. Join the Charter College and help us celebrate the profession to build value and trust amongst the education community and share your voice to shape your profession. Finally, the last article in this mini-series is Adrian Bethune on promoting positive mental health and well-being in primary schools with a reflection from a reader. Hello, 
My name is Hannah Miller and I have a cross-trust role in teaching and learning across primary and secondary schools within the trust that I work in and I'm also an assistant head in my home school which is a primary school in Kent. So one of my favourite articles in the most recent Chartered College Summer 2020 Impact Journal was the final piece that's called Promoting Positive Mental Health and Wellbeing in Primary Schools. Now, there's two reasons why almost immediately before I properly started reading the piece, I was excited. And one of those reasons was because of the explicit focus on primary school. We all know that the earlier that we can intervene and promote and advocate, the better for our children, because we can start to provide them with early strategies to really take control of their mental health. But the article also provided quite easy ways to promote this in schools without demanding lots of resources, money or manpower. The other reason why I was particularly intrigued and excited about this article was because school is a great place to ensure that we share accurate and specific understandings about mental health and really what that can look like in practice. I really believe that one of the core purposes of school is to support flourishing individuals and this article shares some really important research that underpins a vital role that school can play here. But it also provides a really fair critique of some of the terminology around well-being. And I really like that honest approach, the, the kind of the accepting of the faults, because that criticality, not criticism, but criticality, is just as important in great writing as it is in great mental health. So honouring that within the writing, I felt was a really good touch. I think the correlations that the article makes between positive mental health and learning and then future happiness really speaks to my intuition as someone that works across primary and secondary phases. Wellbeing can sometimes be seen as soft and fluffy and it can almost be pitted up against academic attainment, but I just don't feel that that false dichotomy exists. There is a clear space for both to be done really, really well and I think effective teachers do value both because we naturally care about the students and we want them to be successful in all forms of the word. So I really feel like a lot of gratification in teaching, even if sometimes it's a little delayed, actually comes from that development of the whole student. So in terms of my main takeaways, I suppose as I was reading, I, I just kind of kept thinking about assemblies now, these are great opportunities to share some of the messages and facts from this article in an easy-to-digest format so that with that captive audience being students and staff all being brought together, they can hear the consistent and really, really important message. And we all know how influential a significant other that is talking the talk and walking the walk can be. And I think a staff member standing up there happy to discuss positive mental health says a lot about the value and importance of that in a school. And as a previous PE teacher, that kind of takes me on to my second main takeaway, which was the emphasis on physical activity being an integral part of the whole school approach. That really spoke to me. The importance of physical activity for mental, social and physical well-being just cannot be underestimated. And much of the time, I think that participation in sport and physical activity is just as much about maintaining a happy, healthy head as it is about maintaining a happy, 
healthy body. So really putting the physical into physical education for this mental health reason, but also promoting wider activity and movement as well. And I think primary school is the best time to be cultivating these positive habits and positive relationships with exercise. And I think especially where we can broaden some of our provision and we can seek to support the wider community with their physical activity efforts, you know, like going out and just exploring in the fresh air with no technology, no phones, no headphones, just just going out and being present, having a chat whilst you're getting some movement in your day can really do you the well for good. Um, I think sharing that understanding with every single person in our school, all of the stakeholders, is really, really important because we're always going to have some people that will be influenced by that because they might not have a positive relationship with exercise. Um, And my final takeaway was about the PSHE and the mental health lessons. I think these are really, really important in all phases. Now, obviously, we'd make them age and context appropriate, but the role that these sessions would have in dispelling myths is absolutely massive because unfortunately there still is a little bit of stigma attached to discussing mental health so ensuring that the knowledge that we share is accurate and being able to provide students of all ages with strategies that they can actually employ like a little toolkit again cannot be underestimated especially with those recent increases in online activity I feel that we need to explicitly teach students that being able to connect at any time and anywhere has got its flaws and that requires us to you know teach them how to exercise self-control and and share how we do it and and different strategies to do that and I've always really enjoyed teaching PSHE I know that not everyone feels the same but just those extended opportunities to discuss and explore different perspectives is really necessary and I do think that there's lots and lots of opportunities to do that within other subjects And we need to take those opportunities to reinforce those positive messages that come throughout the whole of the curriculum. And I suppose really when we think about that curriculum planning, that connecting the dots there, um, again, is going to be really, really important. And I think, you know, just in encouraging students to to talk about their feelings and emotions, even if they don't directly link those to themselves... Um, again, really integral because we need to explore the vocabulary. We need to develop the vocabulary around them discussing that so that if they can articulate it, then in some respects they can grow to understand it and they can grow to, to own it. And I really feel that we need to lay those those strong foundations and we really need to support that vocabulary development around emotions and feelings. So all in all, an absolutely fantastic article. It was quick to read. It was really easy to digest. And there were some really top take-home messages that are applicable to a whole variety of contexts. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Well, I hope you've enjoyed these four episodes on the Charter College of Teaching Impact Journal. It's been a marathon day of podcast creation for me, but it's all worth it when I get to hear what you think. So please share on social media using the hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Find me on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook by searching for From Page to Practice. And if you're feeling kind, pop a quick review on iTunes as it really helps to spread the podcast to more people. I'll be back as usual in two weeks' time with Retrieval Practice by Kate Jones. 
you've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash PagePracticePodcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.